0: Guys, it's time to get problematic in here. Welcome to another episode of Flail Forward, the podcast about game design and amateurism. Uh honestly, it's mostly about amateurism. At least, mm-hmm. well, the unrecorded parts are mostly about it. And then the recorded 100%. parts are, are are kind of amateurish too. Um uh, but anyway, welcome back to Flail Forward. I am your host, Fred. Uh I have with me this week Mr. Karas Nower. Hello. Uh Miss Cat.
1: Hi, I'm here.
0: (laughs) And Cavoir. Hello, this is a cursed episode. (laughs) God damn it. And Mark. Hello. And finally, Mr. Rob. Hi, everybody. All right.
1: All of our episodes.
0: Any once that I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much all of them, then. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. This week, we are talking about problematic mechanics. Um, so this is Catrice's topic, so I think I'll have her take the intro away. So, Catrice, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about this topic, why you were thinking about it, why you suggested it? Briefly. Uh,
1: it's... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, briefly, please. It's been a couple months, but I think it was right around the time that I was actually reading up on some papers about, um, magic in-game. Actually, it wasn't necessarily just in-games, but it was in, like, fantasy settings and such where magic should not solve problems but create problems like you shouldn't be able to just be like oh well we can solve everything with magic that kind of concept and that kind of led into other things like thinking about you know being able to read people's minds or just mind control in general um a lot of mechanics that just kind of cause problems just by having them exist at all, no matter, like, what you do with them. Like, you know, the concept of, like, time travel. If you put time travel in your game, your game had better be focused very heavily around time travel because otherwise it's going to suck. So, anyway, that I think that's where I was going with it.
0: Okay. Fantastic. So, um, to start off, maybe we should just move Talk about what are problematic mechanics and sort of build a definition around what we think problematic mechanics are. Um, so I know Catrice brought up uh, time travel. And I think another one that uh, comes up a lot when we talk about things like this is like mind reading and uh, divination any, or things that are scrying, things that allow you to see into the future. Um, mostly because role playing games are a collaborative thing, and so it's the GM has to go. Oh, I don't know what the fuck is happening in the future. Are you kidding me?
2: Um, there's there's ways to do divination, but and there's ways not to do it. There's there's certain ways you can model like a divination happening in a game where it it happens like a like you saw this moment you know an hour ago, and now you prepared this thing type mm. thing yes. where where it acts more as a flashback and, and you're flavoring it magically. So you there, there's ways to do it like that where you actually have mm. like the story of divination in the game, but not it's... a wonky mechanic that somebody has to come up with the future on the fly and then make shape the game to fit that now declared future.
3: That's cool. So it kind of buys yourself a flashback later.
0: Yeah. So I'm
2: just yeah.
3: saying
0: that, that you can do it like that. There is the yeah the oracle in urban shadows does that. I was going to bring that up. Yep. Actually,
4: do kind of, kind of a mix actually. Uh, The oracle in urban shadows basically they don't get to know they just basically get a bonus for making the future come (laughs) true. Interesting. (laughs) As they see it, it's a whole thing.
2: Uh, That's cool. uh, But I think um, I think in general this
5: whole. Area that we're in has to do with continuity, like anything that's going to change the future or the past, because role playing is really strongly anchored in a always progressing present. So, things that mess with yeah. continuity is like anything that involves time travel, or divination, or prophecies, or like anything that has to do with merging
2: discordant
5: timelines or fictional possibilities yes. is problematic.
2: Yeah, that's one. But the other thing, what what Fred was talking about with the uh, the mind control and and stuff like that, is like story shortcuts are actually something that's that happens in a number of games um, where there's a way to cut out a significant portion of the players getting from point A to point B where the journey is sold as something
0: as being fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's part of that mind reading issue um, where it's like, Oh yeah, we could spend an entire session doing this interesting political intrigue thing, or we could just go up to the general and, you know, read his mind about the plans or whatever the hell we yeah. need. Yeah.
2: Or yeah. Cast charm person or take your pick Yeah. yeah. yeah whatever. Uh, Story solvers.
0: Then, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh,
2: and then the other, yeah, yeah, um, and then the other kind of bad mechanic I want to talk about that, one of the first things that came to mind when I was, saw this topic was, um, uh, save or die mechanics, but more generally it's bad forks in the game where you have, um, So the save or die bad fork is either the player stops playing for a while or nothing happens, And it's just like, well, one's boring and the other one just kind of sucks. It's like you're kicked out of the game for a second. And I, neither of those is interesting. I think on its face. And when you have mechanics like that, where you design two pathways and both of them are self evidently boring, you know, do something else. That's a, pretty problematic mechanic I mean particularly when it's like one is what it's like it's like lose a turn in a board game like modern games don't do that like you, you know if so if you pull drew a card in a, in a modern board game and it said a loser turn you'd be like oh fuck you oh.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, it's, yeah
2: yeah and the the save or die to me is the same thing there's generally speaking it's either you know roll better is your choice. Or, <laughs> or be Batman. Get, you know, like you, yeah. yeah, it's it's like have the pr- the perfect pre-prepared solution to it, or just roll really good. And that's you know that's not a choice. It's just there's no yeah. there's no gameplay there. It's just like a hedge against something you know is going to happen. Um, and
1: you know, I think that's actually a really good point to point out is that pretty much all of these have player choice as a common thread between them like as you're basically removing choices because you either gain information that basically removes all choice it's like like what's the correct path uh like what are we supposed to do oh well i just read their mind i know exactly what the correct answer is and stuff like that, like anytime that it completely removes control from your character or anything like that, you're removing all the players' choices. And I think that's kind of one of the most problematic things that you. I hate that term. I don't even know why I chose it. I don't even know if I chose it, but uh, yeah, you, I, I think you, it is more you did. You did. <laughs> <But> it's, <laughs> it's
0: good. I think it. I think it works well. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Uh, um, you, Catrice, kind of brought it up. Car has it in the notes. Well, I'll say this explicitly: anything that removes, anything that directly takes away a player's agency has some problems.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah generally, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Mind control stuff is very boring. For you know, when you're hit with it as a player, and yeah. uh, I would argue <laughs> it's it's also largely boring as a player, um, unless you are. You know that's like the character's bag, and you're like they're all about like that thing. But it, it's generally sort of a, it. It's just like it solves too many situations. It's like this giant skeleton key to narrative, versus mm. well, I can control what they're thinking, so this story goes my way every time. Like I don't have to contend with any real issues right now. I can just cut <laughs> through, the, you know, this swath of humanity using this this superpower uh, and. It, yeah, it does too much. Um, so, and t- to that point, uh, that's also representative of, of, a, of a, another kind of problematic mechanic is when you have that okay. yeah, problematic mechanic is when you have wildly different power levels between your stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Very problematic. Yeah, uh, yeah. how is
1: so different? Well, power levels.
2: When it's supposed to be scaffolded at the same when you when the game says these powers are worth the same amount and one is radically different from the other.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, on the topic of removing player agency as a bad mechanic, is death a bad mechanic or a problematic mechanic?
2: It doesn't have to be, but often it. Yeah, is. I think
1: you can do things with death which are interesting. Like I'm trying to, but at the same time, it's like just having death as its own thing, usually it winds up not a. F- Usually it makes you avoid having to deal with the consequences of your actions as a character. Like, the player ends up having to deal with the consequences, not the character.
3: Right. Where the player is sitting on the sidelines waiting for the GM to address their I guess the rest of the party or for them to re roll a character or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But it removes them from the act of playing the game. Yeah. But yeah at the same time like in a
0: in a combat game it's hard to fully remove death as a um like as an option mm-hmm. as an outcome um but i think that especially in modern game design like there's been a lot of interesting ways to to deal with that and to kind of make that an interesting choice and interesting mechanic itself yeah
2: uh, like, phoenix dawn command is is the one that comes to mind right away cuz i've been reading that lately where mm-hmm. um that's how that's how you level up as a as a player character As you die you have to die and so oh. you get you get seven deaths and um uh so you're you're encouraged to die but die in ways that mean something so like when you you're basically this uh this squad of uh semi-immortal commandos each have seven deaths and you spend those deaths in service to the empire. And, then that's the story and it does, but you have to die. And so the, 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 mechanics it creates around death are actually kind of interesting. So, um, that's one I can think of right off the bat that like, it just t- took the, the trope that you usually see in RPGs because, you know, usually it's death is kind of like the pointed stick that you designers use to poke the players in the direction they want the game to go and it's in like osr it's like death is around every corner and so you're you're it's sort of this hyper careful experience where you're you're probing things with 10-foot poles and you're you're you know searching underneath like describing how you're searching in the cracks of dungeons with a dagger or whatever um, but it's all, it's all geared towards this sort of idea that you could die at any moment and, and that makes your life precious. Although from my perspective, I find that it does the opposite. If my character could go at any moment, I'm much more likely to treat him as one of many lives of whatever yeah. class I feel like playing.
1: Yeah. The thing is that it's it's hard to really grow all that attached to something if they're basically just going to disappear like like don't don't grow attached to them if they're going to die in the next five minutes it it doesn't make any sense to
5: also it it kind of changes the the player psychology that we're in if The characters are always on the razor's edge. It makes any kind of danger
2: less impactful. Like if Mm, yeah, if everything's equally dangerous, then everything's equally dangerous. Yeah.
5: Right. So like if you're always on that razor's edge and you're always and the game is always trying to make you anxious about what you're doing because You know, you could eat it at any moment. That's... In a way that's kind of unsustainable for Mm -hmm. at least some players. Like, these kinds of games work best when there are meaningful shifts. Mm -hmm. In this case, in and out of danger. Right. That make the danger part and the safe part more meaningful
2: mm-hmm. hmm. yeah I, I think the starker actually I think the more contrast you have between those things the generally more
3: interesting the game yep mm-hmm. the more compelling the tension right mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah because you want to have you want to have peaks and troughs of stuff like that you don't want you know a flat line of tension that no that's bad yeah it's really bad that sounds that's yeah, like one of those bad old... on its face i don't even have to explain why that's bad mm-hmm.
1: no i um, think we probably should because it is kind of important like if you keep the uh the tension levels consistently high all the time it plateaus out and there's no because there's no variation you don't really feel a difference to it it all ends up being kind of samey and you actually end up adapting to it really surprisingly quickly to the point that if you're always in a tense situation then it doesn't feel tense anymore
5: yeah it it becomes normalized Mm
0: -hmm. right just it's not as exciting you need those that uh, you need that those yeah those peaks and troughs that um uh comedic relief and stuff like that stuff where you can take a breath for a moment and go oh shit we were just fighting 20 orcs okay we're fine for a while we're gonna have to fight 20 orcs again but for the moment like we're gonna sit around a campfire and tell jokes Mm -hmm. or something because then it you know and and you should have and you shouldn't just be sitting around a campfire telling jokes all the time either like having low tension is is can well can be interesting is also like gets boring too obviously yeah yeah
1: well yeah unless i mean like if you're sitting around the campfire telling stories about each other and then if your
0: stories have interesting like... bits
1: yeah hey. so uh just going to mention to the powder that uh i'm pretty sure i saw a rogue like, rummaging through your stuff earlier? That'll get tense quick. <laughs> Why are we uh, uh, doing this? The be in darkness? That's...
0: Well, that's a problem Adam Can't get and of itself. Like, <laughs> player characters fucking with each other in, well, not always, but, like, player characters... Yeah, generally player characters fucking with each other in, like, really direct ways like that Nah, like not good. Like stealing from other player characters and stuff. It's when it's not,
2: when it's not bounded by certain in-game mechanics. Yeah, there's 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 ways it can be done, where there's an in-game mechanic that bounds it and and makes sure that there's a there's some sort of symmetry there. Uh, but if it's if it's just well that I I consider that griefing. It's just like I'm I'm having fun at the expense of somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um. but yeah. yeah. But
5: usually that's not nec- not so much a mechanic as it is somebody's mm-hmm. playstyle or... Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah there's, there's a difference, difference between... Is,
2: for the moment. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah, there's a difference between, like, gaining a string in Monster Hearts because you just talk shit to your friend, which is right. part of the game, and then being the rogue who goes, oh yeah, I'm gonna steal all the paladin's spell components. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when the
2: paladin catches me, he'll punch me and fall, like... <laughs> Like, yeah. that, that's something I've
0: heard of people that's, doing. Like That's just a dick move. Yeah, it's stupid. Uh, but that's stupid. also not a mechanic, so... Mm-hmm. No. Anyway.
1: It, uh, it what... can be. There are some games that do strive to be, you know, PvP-centric, where they try to yeah. actively get the players to fight each other on a frequent basis.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, but those but games I don't... are just designed around that, and they yeah. have mechanics to support it. Sometimes. Those... <laughs> Those could be problematic like i can see that that being problematic but i've also seen games where that works real well it it, yeah. it is it is a there is a a fine line to be walked there but i think that that line a lot of people walk or can walk and do walk well
4: well i mean part of what helps is if you know it's going to be a game where PvP is important and significant then it's good and it has mechanics dedicated to it it's probably going to be you know obvious going in yeah and that helps a lot even even Mm
1: -hmm. so i think we should probably still consider it to be problematic in the sense that there are a lot of people that do end up having issues distinguishing between character and player especially when you have like a mechanic where you actively harm their character and then the player is like you did that to harm me directly so I think it it can be considered to be a problem, not necessarily all the time, but problematic as it were mm. okay
0: um what are some other examples of problematic um ones that we haven't brought up as of yet
5: uh, area effects uh huh can you explain you mean? that, that... Okay, that's basically taking an ability that would normally apply to a single target and multiplying it to affect every target in an area.
0: Yeah, no, I understand that, but like,
5: why is that problematic? Because it goes back to um, the balance we were talking about earlier sort of where like if you can mind control one person that's a level of power but if you can mind control everybody wow. in the room that's a, whole
1: crowd. a lot
5: more yeah that's a lot more power yeah well,
3: i guess that just depends on how powerful the original ability is right because like it it amplifies whatever problem already exists that's fair
1: Mm-hmm. Some, way, yeah, it, some things are far more of a problem if you get a lot of it happening like there's like a critical threshold where once you pass it it goes from okay this isn't that big of a problem to oh god everything's on fire what were we thinking and there's not much yeah, ground it, in between those two sorry
5: yeah it doesn't matter what the, what the power level of the original thing is you're still multiplying it by x for everything it's affecting
2: so, um, uh, so uh, I think this is kind of in the same realm as, like, abilities that function when the GM says they function. So this is a power that scales through GM input rather than player input.
1: Oh, that right? actually just reminded me of another one that's really bad. Um, abilities that are really only useful... Against players, but they're not very useful by players. like yeah. um one of those that really stood out for ages like this is more of something I noticed in back in Final Fantasy games rather than role playing games, but it was the idea of like poison, like an enemy poisons you. It's gonna be a nuisance because it's gonna last until you use an item to get rid of it, and you might be stuck with it for a long period of time whereas if you poison an enemy the enemies don't keep track of their health after combat so it's like there is an asymmetry between players and enemies in a game in most cases where the players continue on after like combat's over or after you're done talking to that npc you're probably never gonna to talk to the NPC again, they basically stop existing. But whatever they did to you is going to linger for a much longer period of time because what you do to them can't linger. Usually.
0: Yeah, I don't see that as problematic. Um I mean, as long as that's like relegated to here are NPC abilities. Um I I have no particular problem with that. Um, Unless I'm missing something.
5: Well, they're, they're kind of a form of asymmetrical mechanic, which is a wider realm of potential problems. Like, if the players can't use a mechanic the same way that the GM would use it against them, that that can be a problem depending on what the mechanic is.
1: Yeah, for a, like a really common example that players absolutely hated in D and was level drain. Mm-hmm. Like they really hated that, especially because there was no real reversal of it. Like you couldn't just undo it. And you couldn't um undo the same kind of thing in reverse, like you couldn't cause it to the enemies so it's something that you had to be constantly on vigil against and terrified of, but you could never feel that uh power yourself because it didn't really matter if you did it to an enemy
2: oh actually I made it I made it work one time for me <laughs> once how but it was it was a Twinned, empowered, enervate, and I rolled max on the die and did 12 negative levels to a cleric. That was pretty dope. But it was luck.
1: Yeah, it's also and, kind of broken. When and, it does. It was,
2: yeah.
5: and it was a cleric because monsters in D&D don't have levels per
0: se.
3: Mm-hmm. So yeah, you but can't I
5: really drained them.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think that that's, that particular example is more of an issue of. Like, what that specifically does, like, yeah. take away that um, kind of permanent thing that players have. Mm-hmm. Um, like, taking away levels is a, just a dicky thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, and that's that's a problem with that. And I, yeah, I again, I still don't see like specific NPC things, as long as, you know, we're acknowledging that they're NPC things and they're not stupid things like taking away levels. I don't see that as a like, necessarily problematic thing.
1: Not always. Definitely not always, but I think that there are some cases where it's like something that should be pretty universal in the world, and it feels really strange that it's something that you will never have access to. That's something that does feel really strange.
2: If it's supposed to be a universal thing, and then you can't have it because reasons, yeah, I mean, arbitrary limits on on what you can do, are I would agree, or arb- are not fun, or
5: arbitrary exceptions to the reality of how the setting works. Y- yes, Just that's actually to more serve specific. some mechanical
0: agenda. So, okay, I have a I have a a, a specific question, um, and I'm wanting to ask if this is a problematic. One. Um, so, I, I mentioned this to ter- this game to Rob earlier, um, and I'm guessing a couple of you others are familiar with it, but I have recently been running Spire for my gaming group, Uh, and Spire is like a dark fantasy, or dark urban fantasy thing in which you play like a revolutionary terror cell. It's a really cool game. But anyway, one of the things you're supposed to know, players are supposed to know before you start the game, is you will die doing it. That's explicitly set out. And I... When I when I said that to my players, um, most of whom have, have played at least a role playing two before, they were like, "What?" They all kind of looked at me wide eyed. Uh, they were kind of scared. I was like, "Yeah, like that's how this game goes." Does that feel like a problematic, guys?
5: I think no. you at least have to give Spire credit for putting that up front on the table. Sure, but in general character death is not something players look forward to just as a general concept. Like there's always the chance that a player could sacrifice their character nobly for the sake of the story or whatever, but just as a possibility players don't want that to happen.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: unless they're in control of, like, unless they get to narrate, like, the final moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If it's their choice, it's usually not an issue. But even then, it's like, it depends on how it would be implemented. Like, if you had a situation where, okay, halfway through the session, your character dies. Okay. Now you're just watching everybody else. You have no further input. That's kind of not a great mechanic for a game like generally you want to keep people playing until everybody's done playing mm-hmm. like otherwise right. that's not really serving the purpose of having a game or any kind of entertainment it's like just randomly picking somebody from like the group and it's like okay we're all gonna watch a movie but every 15 you minutes we're gonna the roll a dice and yeah and somebody just gets kicked out of the room, and it's like, how is this enjoyable? Wait, you guys don't do that? I mean, once, but after the people decided (laughs) to, you know, wreck the kitchen because they were bored.
5: (laughs) Well, okay, conversely to the inevitability of some character dying and a player losing their anchor into the fiction. Yes. There's all there's the related concept of how and should games implement what is more or less plot armor to prevent mm-hmm. like unnecessary or surprise deaths.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because some games definitely do take a very hard mechanical turn on that. I would say pretty much any game where the hit points get out of hand, take your pick. Um, like tread on that territory because if, that is like, oh, you're, fate, you're, you're fighting, uh, you know, things hurling giant fireballs at you and we want you to stay alive, but we also want these things to represent high damage that you couldn't deal with when you were lowly heroes. And so we're going to make your plot armor humongous and that's going to, but it's going to come in the form of hit points that we're going to say are nebulous whatever's, you know, Little things that get used up as you're attacked. And you dodge things. Even if
1: you use, like, an explanation that makes sense for it, it still kind of gets into problems with it. Like, you're going to run into a situation where if you have, like, this big scary attack and we want you to be, like, afraid for your life, well... If you're afraid for your life then it means that you can actually die and if you can actually die then you're building into it the capacity for things to potentially get really boring because you're kicked out of the room again so it's like what are you going to do with the balance in that case mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: yeah there's there's a wide spectrum w- between the characters being completely squishy and vulnerable to everything and then on the other end they the game sets them up as living in an infernal in an invulnerable bubble
1: <laughs>
0: yeah i mean yeah i think and i think you should your 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 characters because they are they are protagonists in general you know it just depends on the game to a certain extent but in general Should be able to deal with situations like that, you know, and should be able to do heroic things. Um, But again, yeah, as you said, that's a that's a that's a line to tread um, that you want to keep that interesting. Um, Are there any other problematic mechanics that we haven't talked about, at least kind of big ones?
1: Probably. I can't think of any off the top of my head, though. Uh,
0: Cavour or Mark, do you guys have any?
4: I don't want to list more examples because I'd like to move on to discussing other parts of this topic, but yeah.
3: Okay. Um, All right. The the big
4: ones.
3: The big ones. Okay. I mean,
4: I might as well mention it because I did. Yeah. But um, basically, there is some level uh, God, how do I phrase this in a way that isn't insane? Um, Game mechanics that. Never mind. I, I was gonna okay. say I was gonna fig- try to figure out how to say this, but I couldn't. Um, mechanics that basically, uh, uh, how do I phrase this? Force your character, force your character generation, without that being an acknowledged starting, like an acknowledged mm-hmm. part of the game. I guess is how to, I could phrase it. But
2: force yeah, so, like, are you talking about like games where it's like there's. There, there's only certain kinds of choices that are acceptable at character creation, or no, no I where mean, it like, cuts uh, off
4: something. No, I mean, like, uh, growth, not generation. But what like, I mean is, oh. like, yeah, things that, like, uh, where either there's an optimal best option, and dah, dah, dah. Hmm. Uh, I guess that's kind of not really problematic. That's about to end, just on in a different way. But, uh, like, things where, uh, god, I'm not describing this well, and I've only seen it twice, so I don't know why I brought it up are you talking about like in fourth edition and and a little bit of
5: third edition D D? there was this whole meta game of of creating
4: op- optimal character builds no uh that that's specifically not what i'm talking about uh although it is a lot although it is kind of the same thing but but that's a different problem i feel uh basically things that uh how do I phrase this? Things that, uh, basically, if you, you choose something, uh, and then it eventually locks you into a different choice that you didn't realize you were making at the time. But
2: Ah, trap choices. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm.
4: But not like, because they're mechanically bad, but because... Uh, God.
2: They
1: limit... your choosing... You, it's you, not really a real choice if you didn't know you were making the choice at the time. Yes.
4: yes. Like if it if it's not what it is like it's something you chose at character creation, but like something an option you will have ten levels later or whatever is going to be restricted mm-hmm. because of what you chose. Yeah, but I don't know. Right. Like I said, I've only seen it twice, and neither were published game like properly published games. So,
2: hmm. <laughs> but
4: I I've wasted everyone's time. Oh.
5: No, you no, know, because there there, there, you don't. there are things like that in published games like there are lots of feats in D D that have those kinds of yeah well adverse side effects
1: it's mm. not just that it's also like anybody who's making a game is listening to this or even if you're just like a gm like i have seen gms do similar things a couple of times where you make a decision at some point and later on down the line, it impacts something else that you could not have possibly known that it would affect. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that is actually kind of a problem. Like it's not necessarily something that's hard codified into a game, but it is something that it it does suck when it happens.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Anyway, moving on. Uh, Okay. If you want to move on, um, all right, so actually, now that we've kind of talked about a bunch of different kinds of problems. Yeah, and a bunch um, of examples. A bunch of examples. To... Yes. Um, I think next thing, real quick, uh, I want to kind of get uh, a definition, so to speak, um, or at least a, a working idea of what we would generally define a problematic mechanic to be, guidelines for it. Um mm-hmm. So I think part of that is going to be something that unnecessarily hinders agency um, or has um, like negative effects on continuity. Those are my negative effects
2: on continuity, hindering agency, um, bad forks where you Mm -hmm. where, where the game forks in a bad way, where you have two, two outcomes that are equally boring or you know kicking somebody not out good yeah mm-hmm.
1: anything that would be misleading or would basically uh, lure you into doing something that you otherwise wouldn't yeah. or well, not anything but a lot of things yeah i, things think, I are... think things that are that do not feel good as well like telling you you have to do this and then punishing a player for doing exactly what you told them to do kind of thing if you have a mechanic that's built into the game like that then yeah that sucks too
5: also things that are just plain written badly like either they you read it and it doesn't seem like it does what it should or the interpretations can vary so widely that they're going to cause
2: strife during play yeah, that's certainly a problematic mechanic. I would say that, yeah.
1: Yeah, I um, no, there was a conversation on another server about that with war games in particular mm-hmm. because of issues mm-hmm. with phrasing things. If you do not phrase it clearly, the rules as written can sometimes mean completely different things than right. what you intended it to mean. And certain types of players, especially the types that play war games, tend to be really nitpicky about how something is actually phrased because that's usually the only context they have to work with
2: yeah it it doesn't make and unlike a role-playing game where you can you can make a ruling and move on a war game is a competitive thing you need an arbitration you need you need the impartiality whereas whereas a gm can smooth over like that crack in the wall with you know? It
1: can. They don't necessarily always accomplish it. Sometimes they'll actually no, make it worse. So but if possible. Therefore,
2: possible. it helps. In a war game, there's no possibility. Yeah. You have to defer the rules.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'd also want to list anything that... Basically, there's a rule, if you can even call it that, in a game where... It basically says uh, we couldn't be bothered to make one. Just ask your GM. Well, that's like, not. A, yeah, that's. that's yeah, a I don't even think I even really consider those rules, but they are really common. The
3: like, GM a is a problematic people. mechanic. <laughs>
1: huh.
5: Or <Well, Well>, relatedly, <laughs> the rule—the rules that say if you can't think of anything to do next, roll a die. That's that's one of the ultimate failures of game design in that it is a clear admission that you don't know how to tell the players how to play the game. Right. Yeah. Or what your game can exactly. do. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Um, is there anything else we missed in our guidelines of what makes a problematic
4: well, oh, probably, but not that I can think of. <laughs> All
5: right, not
0: that.
1: I mean, usually we're be good be. at nitpicking these, but I I can't think of much.
5: Okay, great. Well, um, well, okay. Let me note real quick that pretty much any mechanic that is good
0: can be turned bad. Yeah, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about, yeah, explicitly no, I, bad. I think
1: we're talking about ones that are predominantly they're going to probably cause a problem or, yeah, or even if you do a good job of writing the rule it'll still cause problems yeah yes. or
2: something to be very careful of like uh uh cat's example of the um totally lost it the thing the thing
1: yeah nope. the thing oh, that that, that, <laughs> that was really problematic right was
2: it what was it different uh was where we talked about different power levels it was something you brought up and it was like, well, sometimes it's an issue, but not always. And I'm just blanking on it. Oh, that's so weird. Uh, no, I'm more like NPC them. powers. Oh yes. Yes. NPC, well, that's yes, exactly. So that's, that's a situation where it, it it's, uh, it's situational and you want to closely look at those things when you're, when you're designing them. So that they don't, they,
0: that they, they have the results you intend and not ones that you don't. Intend. Yeah. Any mechanic can be used problematically. That doesn't mean it's a problematic. Yes, the way the way I would say that. Yeah, certain um, things always are. Certain things always are, or at least have a heavy leaning towards that. Um, okay, cool. So then, now that we know about that, how do we, as game designers, you know, avoid putting them in our games, uh, you know, and make sure that we don't, if we do want to use one of these mechanics that is going to likely be problematic, um, how do we handle that correctly and put that in in a, in a good way? Um,
5: most of these problematic mechanics need to have clear
3: boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think those boundaries... Scope. Yeah, I think those boundaries also need to make sure that they preserve the player's ability to engage in the game. Um, like I think a lot of them, especially the agency focused ones, means that your your ability to play is hampered in some way. So if you have at the forefront the idea of I want to make sure that the player is able to engage in the game consistently, then you can design those mechanics that work around it. So there's nothing stopping you from having mind control in your game, but be aware that like players can't shouldn't use it against each other or that anything that uses it against the players needs to be done tastefully in a way that that player still retains the ability to control their character. If that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Something like you start distorting the information that the player's getting and right. you give them their opportunity is like you describe like oh that orc on your left looks like he's about to hit you and then you turn hit them like you're carefully keeping track of yeah you just punched your friend in the face but you don't realize it exactly like that's something to be had there that's exactly it but that gives them a choice in the matter it's still not Mm -hmm. a great choice because they're not necessarily knowing what they're doing but it's better than forcing them to do things
3: yes I like I like that idea a lot sorting the information that is passed along to that player that they know a different set of facts or a different set of information that might work the mind-altering effect is presented by here is what you perceive in the world now what do you do and then you can still work with that player that player is still involved in the fiction that you're telling Right.
0: As long
2: as that's delineated as an effect they can kind of know about, like, this is how illusion works in this game, I think that's okay.
5: Or, or this is how lycanthropy works, and when it's the full, the night of the full moon, you're going to turn into a wolf, and you should act that way.
2: Or, uh, no, I think it's more than that. I think that one's more like, everybody around you is an enemy, what do you do, type thing but it's i don't know. I the, the the you should act that way is yes, but like how do you enforce that? I think it's better to give incentives to act that way. It's the same way you enforce any other
5: truthful portrayal of the character. Like the character's truth has now
2: become they are a werewolf. It right, includes that you, aspect. Yeah, but you still have to get the player to embody that, right? So how do you do that without force? Like, I, I think incentivizing it is, is the only way to do it, really. um, You know, now you gain XP for killing townsfolk or something to that effect.
4: Okay, so yeah. that might not be the best way to do that, but
2: I'm, I'm, yeah. that. I know, not. but you know what I'm getting at. It's, it's, it's like, here here's the incentive. We're going to incentivize you to act like a werewolf now rather than, say, you have to act like a werewolf or what Or happened? else. Yeah, or else. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that we should actually be adding for this, like, for just as a whole, is just playtesting. Because, like, if you actually playtest your stuff thoroughly, you will discover when you have a problematic mechanic very quickly. Because as soon as... Well, okay, if you don't actually test it thoroughly, like, if you do not test that mechanic, you probably won't. If you... If If you especially tried to get people that like playtesters that are really good at breaking things, like, you know, that player that is, they always come up with some ridiculous way to abuse the rules. Get that player to play test because they're the kind of person you want the feedback from because they will find all the problems with your things. Well, not all of them, but a lot.
5: They'll find more and they'll find them faster than a, a normal player
1: yeah
2: for sure mm-hmm. those are good to have like that kind of thing where you're just like okay here's somebody can take a look at your game and go, did you mean for it to do this <laughs> and you can go oh no no i didn't or if, i've you know...
1: had that come up quite a lot and often my answer has been no that wasn't intentional but now i'm gonna explicitly put it in there hmm <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: that, that's I think that's fine to do. Like, but but now you have to like, oh yes, that was a possibility I didn't realize.
5: My take mm-hmm. on that was always to let it stand, to let the interpretation stand in the in the game,
2: mm-hmm.
5: and then fix it after the playtest and spend an hour at at the downtown Milwaukee Kinko's getting new copies of the game printed for the next day's sessions <laughs> at Gen Con.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one way to do it, too. <laughs> it's like, why... Like,
5: ultimately, why sh- why punish the player for their interpretation of a flawed text? Right. Like, let it happen the way they interpreted, and then mm-hmm.
2: you can fix it later. Right. Yeah, or maybe it's actually have... okay.
1: That's why I actually have a set rule in my game for Jammin' players to follow, that if somebody comes up with a creative way to basically, like, one-shot your boss or abuse a mechanic or whatever in a way that it's pretty obvious that's not how it's supposed to work, then the rule basically states, let them do it this time, but they can only do it the one time. In the future, anything that they try to do again... They have to do it in a different way. So even if they, you get like one of those players that will continually break everything they touch, at least they'll be creative and constantly breaking it in new and interesting ways. <laughs> so it's That's not good. just the same thing, always break in the same way. And it's like, yeah. oh, you're just going to kill the boss in the same way every time. This is boring. It's like, no, it's they're going to find some new thing that you can tell a story about later on, that's like, oh yeah, and then this next session, they screwed it up this completely different way. <laughs> it might be sucking the moment at times, but it'll give you stories to talk about, and I mean, that's the more important thing.
5: Well, that comes back to the last episode about what we can't anticipate in the way where And I think it's a really good idea what you did is to when the game allows for something unforeseen or a way of using the rules in an unforeseen way, let it stand and then nix it. So that you know, the players don't have that wrong solution that they can go to every time. So it's kind of, it's a kind of a good way to keep the, the table, like repairing the game as necessary. Not that it would need to be repaired, but like just maintaining Um, their own. um, Correctness of the game that they're playing.
1: Yeah, like the problem is, you can never possibly make a rule for every single situation. Your your game has to be able to be adaptive to some way. If you, I think that's broadly interpretable. Rule.
2: Yeah, if if yeah. your rule can be broadly interpreted, that's 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 usually good enough. I mean, that's the way Apocalypse World does things. That's the way Blades in the Dark does things. That's the way my game does things. It's just oh, it's just wide and open. But it, yeah, I don't attempt to enumerate large lists of skills or anything like that
1: um yeah so for ways to deal with these um yeah i think a big one is just make sure that your rules are not so rigid that they snap under the slightest bit of pressure um build them kind of more like earthquake resistant housing where they have a little bit of wiggle room where they can flex and stretch a little bit where there's. They're not. Like floppy, like a noodle, and will just fall apart. But at the same time, they're not so Riddle. rigid. Yeah, yeah, that they're all, So,
5: mm-hmm. or that they're so solid that they have tangible edges, and they leave the possibility that the gameplay can fall off a cliff.
1: <laughs> yeah, want to fall off a cliff?
0: No, we don't want to fall off a cliff.
1: Speak for yourself.
0: <laughs> you sound like a you sound like a tired mother. <laughs> no, we don't want to fall off a cliff today. <laughs> I mean, if all your other friends fell off a cliff, would you?
2: Well, yeah, but like, what cliff though? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I had a
1: conversation had to... earlier today.
5: Oh. <laughs> The the kind of cliff where nothing in the rules explains what to do next.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. Is there anything else people want to talk about about um, getting around them or dealing with them that we missed? I mean, oh, unless we want this? to
4: get unless we want to get into specific examples, like how Rob's game handles seeing the future, or how. Uh, what about cool. sex?
0: Sexual um, mm-hmm. problematic? Uh, that see the thing is that's a group by group thing, I think. But including um, them in your game? No, I don't think so. No? I, the the thing is like you should if you include them in your if you include sex things in your game if you have sex moves or whatever um you should you should be upfront about that you should be like yeah this game has sex in it because some pe- that makes some people uncomfortable some people don't want right. to don't want to play that game um but at the same time as long as you're upfront about that people know well, what if that's you're not, not upfront about it and you just include spells like charm person and hold person i mean
2: is that at some at some point her? you have to at some point you have to
5: acknowledge that the fictional world Largely resembles the real world, and the people in it are going to have the same kind of motivations and desires. So, you don't like if you're going to put sex stuff in the game, it, because that's a taboo topic for some people, like you can still have sex in the game implicitly from the fact that the game world resembles the real world, people are going to have sex. That's why there's people. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if, if you're going to put that kind of content in the game, it should be at least
4: somewhat what the game is about. Okay. Or at least visible... Enough to see, because cool, yeah, yeah I, I've been sexually assaulted in D and D, but that
5: it's not in D and D, right? So yeah. that comes down to the individual player culture.
0: Yeah, again, that's like not a mechanic thing. Okay, I just yeah. wanted to bring it up. Because
2: yeah,
1: I, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 no, it that's fair for, Should the mechanics be in the game? I think that if the game's about it as a common thing, yeah, they probably should be in there because if it's not about... If it's supposed to be about this, yes, it should be in the rules somewheres. If it's not about it, keep in mind that people are still going to make their own rules up about it regardless because, like, our entire body is basically built around procreation. That's... The ones that did not have that didn't tend to live this long so it, it's a major part of just humanity as a whole mm-hmm. so if it's not about it i would probably recommend putting it in an expansion but probably not in the first one or two because and if your game doesn't have expansions like you're not putting splat books or extra rules or whatever in, then don't bother with it but yeah if you are going to keep adding to your game and broadening what it covers, then at some point, yeah, you should probably include rules for sex at some point, just so that well, it's like anything else in the game, you're spending more time and effort thinking about how to do it properly instead of whatever the players are going to come up with because they'll probably be like, oh, throw like a, a dexterity check against like your um endurance check or whatever,
0: Jesus well, don't okay. don't have rules like that for sex please don't like that's dumb
1: yeah, exactly, but I, that's I, my point. If you don't do that, they'll do it themselves, and that's what it's gonna look like. you said well, as a
3: and whole.
5: that's fine in and that's fine for each individual table, but <laughs> if you're planning out your line of supplements and splat books. Chances are, there's a whole lot of subjects you can cover that are more important and more broadly desired by your player base than sex.
0: Yeah, I mean, depends on player base de- yeah. depends on the player base and the game you're making. Um, but like, okay, just as a general rule, like, don't make fatal. Don't don't do <laughs> yeah, anything don't do that. like that. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. we when mentioned you, it. Let's move on. Yes, it, when you when you have sex in your game. Um, you know, understand that that is a, a taboo topic and something that's very complex. And there's a lot of things people feel outs. about it. Yep. Ins in, yeah, and a lot of ins and outs. Um, and so, <laughs> just uh, just we be you know be a little careful when you're when you're doing stuff with it. Was, just don't don't like do fucking endurance checks or whatever. Sex that's fucking stupid.
2: But my endurance feat gives me plus four. <laughs> See, that's the kind of thing Cat was talking about. That's all I'm saying. Like that stuff happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I have actually. It's not a problematic. Mechanic. Scenes okay. and stuff yeah. like that. It, it it was it was not good. Like we've all seen. It. We've all... If if you're gonna have it in the game, like at at least do it right or try to, instead of just uh-huh. don't half-ass it, please. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Moving um, on. Yes. Moving on. Um. Is there anything else that people would like to mention? Anything we missed uh, about problematic mechanics in general?
2: Um.
5: Okay. Here's we, so, here's something. Mechanics that are not problematic in and of themselves, but become problematic when they interface with
2: another mechanic.
3: Mm. Oh. Okay.
2: Yeah, I right. mean that's certainly a thing you have to look out for. I, I, I wouldn't.
0: Yeah, but that's kind of hard to talk about in the specifics here. But that's definitely something to look out for. Yes.
1: Hmm. Problem is, it helps to have an example for that, and it's hard to come up with an example that isn't really specific.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like, look, well, like it, anyway.
5: There, there was a guy who. Posted a thread on the RPG design subreddit the other day. Okay. Who was writing about um, your approach as a designer to power gaming? Oh.
2: Okay. And he
5: he <clears throat> he found like in his first playtest, he it was discovered that the very first character ability that he wrote in the game had a much amplified effect when paired with a certain weapon. So, like, I don't, he didn't explain what they were, but that's kind of an easy combination to grasp. Yeah. So, like, like, game, role-playing games are full of Interconnected things, and in general, you want them to interconnect in more or less the same way.
2: Yeah, it, the problem is when you when when you accidentally have an additive effect become multiplicative. Um, yeah, that that and wh- what I mean by that is like so you're trying to make you're trying to design your combat system right, and you want to make somebody more effective in combat. So what do you do? You give them more attacks. This is not that weird. You give a player another attack, he becomes more effective in combat because he, you know, his misses m- matter half as much and he does more damage when he when he hits twice, right? Yeah, uh, this are
5: basically the thracreen issue in Dark Sun
2: because sure, they have four but you, Yeah, but 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 now anything you do that affects one attack now it has double the effect on somebody that has more than one. Yeah. You, you, so you you can like so one of the one that's uh, i remember from 3rd edition that is especially problematic are weapons that do constitution damage because they force the gm to recalculate the hit points of the monster every uh every two hits which is just annoying for one say- and then oh, yeah it's not good but it also okay, radically outsizes the 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 power of that bonus as perhaps originally envisioned. And so, yes, I agree with you. There are certain times when you can have a mechanic that interacts with another mechanic in a way that um, vastly outstrips what you intended it to do.
5: And, okay, that example, Rob,
2: mm-hmm. added
5: another dimension to our list of problematic mechanics and that is mechanics that affect the amount of bookkeeping necessary during (laughs) play
2: that is actually one we should have mentioned early on yeah that's pretty important like
1: yep that's one i've run into as one that I've definitely run into situations where it's like, oh, this is is a nice way to handle this, except there's no way to actually reasonably keep track of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is just going to turn into pain in the ass for everybody involved.
2: Or if it turns it into just number mush, you know, where it's just... You're looking at a spreadsheet to attack with. It's just, no, come on. Mm-hmm. At least for me. I I don't know. Yeah,
0: that's I, awful.
1: I have yeah. actually seen one case where that was actually really good and that was in anima, where you basically need a spreadsheet to know what happens, but the spreadsheet is already laid out in the book on two pages spread out nice and easy and you basically just reference like uh an XY coordinate and you're basically done. And that tells you everything you need to know. So it's quick and easy. It's just, it is kind of a nuisance to not be able to play without that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's really annoying. But uh, anyway.
5: Here's, okay, Kat gave me another dimension, potentially, (laughs) of problematic mechanics, which is mechanics that drastically change the play loop.
2: Oh, yeah. That is something you want to avoid. I at least I at seen least that. without yeah at least without yeah I mean, so what what springs to mind for me immediately are the subtle transitions that happen in um in d and d or like for initiative. there's
3: oh interesting,
2: a, well, there's that one, I always talk about more like things where the the play loop becomes instead of going down into dungeons and stuff like that, now we're managing a kingdom. Whereas, like, I didn't sign on to play a game about managing a kingdom. Mm. Um, but yeah, okay, there's a different take on that, sure.
1: If you choose to do so, it's not a problem. Like, having the option is fine. It's when it's forced.
2: Yep. Yeah,
5: yeah like, well, it's pretty well known that d d has three phases of play.
2: Mm. which are help me out rob well Um, known to us but like it's yeah, yeah i
1: didn't actually notice that until you had actually brought it up here like i like there most people know that there's a big difference between a level one character and a level 20 character just in how they play and the kinds of things they can do and you know their survivability rate and such but having three distinct phases i Hadn't actually noticed that until we've discussed it. It's like, oh,
5: yeah. And for the benefit of the listener, those phases are more or less survival horror. Yeah. Uh, the second one becomes high adventure.
2: And then what's the last one, Rob? It's basically, Supergirl. supers. Supers yeah. slash kingdom building. It depends on the game specifics, but like, yeah, it's one of those. It transitions into a different feel. Yeah. And if you signed up for a game where you wanted to be Conan and you're playing D&D, by the end of D&D, you're going to not be Conan. You're going to be...
1: Or a, actually a you will jumping. now because there's a new Conan movie coming out and he starts off as the king of a kingdom where he's really, really bored because he's already defeated all his enemies. Yes, sure. <laughs>
2: but That's- I'm talking about... The one where you're, you're not Conan in the sense of you're not Conan, you're you're a dude who teleports into buildings and blows people up with a flaming sword. And, it, you know, you're you're you look like a comic book guy more than you like a comic book superhero more than more than a fantasy character. And D&D has never been honest about where that transition happens or that it happens. It's just something that gets noticed or consistent
5: in when it happens.
2: Yeah, or when,
5: yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, fantastic. So I think, unless anyone has anything really pressing to say, um, I have one announcement to make, and then we're going to finish up. Uh, And that announcement is that one of our own, our lovely Jonathan, who sadly cannot make it for this episode, um, but is here in spirit, uh, has a Kickstarter. He is kickstarting um, "Cut to the Chase," which is his um, two-player uh, prey and hunter um, collaborative storytelling RPG, where you tell a story about a chase with one other person. Um, so he's kickstarting it uh, to put more art in the book and to kind of put a get a, a nice little um, solo release out there. Uh, it's a really cool little game. Uh, there will be a link in the uh, description of this episode if you want to go check that out. I think it's when this episode posts, we'll have about a week left. Um,
1: I just checked it as of the moment of our recording. It is currently almost done its goal. Mm-hmm. It's at 1342 out of its $1,500 goal. So, oh, yeah. so oh, almost it's done. almost guaranteed to be backed, but mm-hmm. at this point, yeah. uh, it's more so... Get into those stretch goals for him. Yes. Okay.
4: Yes. Also, I'd like to point out that the main thing that the basic funding is going to do is not so much art as he's going to add scenarios to help people figure out how to play the, the game.
0: Yes. It sorry. And there's some also ideas. some some cool scenarios in there, some of which are written um, by at least one person here um, yes, and a Catrice bunch of other. Patricia one. <laughs> one of them, which is really uh, really cool, kind of 60s retro futuristic sci-fi thing. Um, and there's also a bunch of other interesting scenarios written by all sorts of RPG folks.
1: Yeah, I was um, actually surprised. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I was the first one to get mine done, and it was used as an example for all the others.
0: Wow. All right. Yeah. Um, and uh, even with without that, just the base game, uh, I've read it, I haven't, but it's really good. And I know a few people here have played it and quite enjoy mm-hmm. it and fully yep. endorse it. Yep. Um and again, it'll most likely be funded. Probably, almost by the time you this episode actually comes out, which will be in a few days from now. Um, I backed it will it. be. Yep. 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 I, yep. <laughs> uh, it, will be, it will be. funded. Um, you can get a great game. You can support a good game designer. Um, and I he's will a actually. Good dude, he's a good guy. Yeah, most <laughs> yeah. definitely. Yeah.
1: And again, we're not just saying that it's good. Like, if you actually want to see proof, uh, Adam Kobel... And uh, who was mm-hmm. playing with? actually played, like, Blue Jay, yeah. Blue Jay and Adam Goebel played uh, two uh, yep. chases 92. on it. So yep. you can actually yes. go on YouTube and see it for yourself and see if this is actually something you want to support. I think you
0: should. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you actually, if you want to see the full game, it's already out in a two-player game anthology called You and I, Role-Playing Games for Two, which is on drive Through. Um, and the at least the version of the game that's in there, which doesn't have any scenarios or anything, is going to be pretty much the same thing you get in the finished product. Um, but you will also get all the scenarios and some extra art and et cetera. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is all really good. So anyway, uh, go back to that Kickstarter. And uh, thank you all for listening. We have been Flail Forward. And uh, have a good week. Have good some good games. Uh, design some good games. And
3: uh, good, night. good night. Good night, listener. Good night.